following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. feel like you have wasted many of your years that you're just in the same place you're not really making progress in your spiritual life just kind of dead in it 
going through the motions, lukewarm or cold. Well, one of the reasons that that sometimes happens to us is because our language has become so fuzzy that we really we call ourselves Christians but may in fact not be. It's real hard for a non-Christian to make progress in the life as a Christian. And the assumption that you're saved may very well be wrong. If you're living in habitual sin and calling yourself a Christian, you're not going to make progress in the life with Jesus because you're not saved. I mean, if you say you're saved, what are you saved from and what are you saved to? Now, I want to share with you, for sake of illustration, and I feel perfectly happy and comfortable doing this with you, but I'm going to expose very much one man without naming him and his foolishness as he tries to talk about being a Christian. It was a Sunday morning, and this is the text I received from him. Good morning, Pastor. I'm not feeling well this morning. I won't be able to make it to church today. I'm going to stay home and rest. I'll see you at church next week. Well, I responded by forwarding him back a text that he'd sent to me the day before. He said, Hi, Pastor. Hope all is well. I will see you on Sunday. I'm not going to turn away from Jesus. I'm going to completely surrender my life to him. Now, what triggered the responses I'm going to share with you, and the reason I'm sharing this, is his statement, I am going to completely surrender my life to him. Well, wait a minute. How can you do that? He can't do that. He cannot surrender his life completely to Jesus because surrendering his life completely to Jesus would mean that he was consecrating himself wholly unto the Lord. He can't consecrate himself unto the Lord when he hasn't repented yet. There is a first step. The first step is repentance from sin and putting down the weapons of rebellion. And then he can surrender himself to Jesus. Well, let me share more. He wrote back in response to my forwarding that message, I'm not turning away from Jesus, Pastor. I'm just not feeling well today. I'll see you at church next week. I will fully surrender my life to him. I wrote back, no, I don't think the kingdom of God is for you. You say I will fully surrender my life to him. But you don't. You haven't. Well, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus, Pastor. I'm in the process of doing it. Do you hear the totally mixed-up language this man is using 
as he whines about not feeling well and not being able to come and fulfill his obligations that he'd promised that he would fulfill at church. I wrote to him. He tried to call me a number of times on Tuesday. I just sent him a text. If you want time to talk, come to the prayer meeting tonight. He wrote back, Hi, Pastor. Hope all is well. I'm feeling tired tonight. I'm going to relax at home. I read a lot of Ecclesiastes last night. I'll definitely see you this Sunday, God willing. I wrote back to him, Is Jesus too tired to hear your prayers? This is Halloween night. Are you sure you want to serve Jesus? He wrote back, I'm ready to surrender to Jesus, Pastor, and serve him. I'm glad Jesus... And he blathers on with foolishness. And then he sends this follow-up text. I just haven't been that faithful to Jesus this month, but I'm ready to be faithful soon. I wrote back, Conversion is a decision. You're hurting yourself. You're blocking your parents, who are not Christian, and your friends. You're hurting Jesus, and you're hurting the church. How long will you reject the Holy Spirit and falsely believe that you can be okay? He wrote back, I don't want to reject the Holy Spirit, Pastor. I'm ready to convert, Pastor. I'll be at church on Sunday, and I'm ready to surrender my life to Jesus, and I want to bring my parents to church as well at the right time. I haven't heard from this man since. Guess what? He's not ready to surrender his life to Jesus. He's playing games. The fact is he cannot surrender his life to Jesus. Why? Well, the word consecrate in the Old Testament, and that's where we really begin to get a hold of what it means to consecrate, it means to hold in the hand. That's what the original Hebrew word to consecrate meant, to hold in the hand. Well, what's that mean? Well, they were to come and hold in their hand a sacrifice that they were giving to God. Well, what does this man have to give to God? All he has to give to God is, are his sins, his rebellion. Well, what's God want to do with his sin and rebellion? God doesn't need his sin, and he doesn't need his rebellion. So if you come to the altar and you offer God your sin, and you offer God your doubts, and you offer God, he doesn't want them. He died to remove them. Now, you understand. If you are not a Christian, a real Christian, you cannot consecrate yourself to God. Only a Christian can consecrate himself to God. This man is not even a Christian. He's been around Christians long enough that he has the Christian lingo. And he's saying, I'm going to do it. 
I want to do it. But he can't. Why? Because of his sin. He can't consecrate himself to Jesus because all he has to bring to Jesus is his rebellion, his sin, his wickedness. And God doesn't want his sin. I mean, what's God have up in heaven? Some kind of cupboard where he stores away your sin? Does he have a cupboard where he stores away your rebellion? You want to consecrate that to God? Now, let's be very clear today. This walk with Jesus is not casual. It takes time to be holy. And there is a very specific step-by-step process that you must go through if you are going to come to Jesus. And if you try to skip the first step of coming to Jesus, you can become very religious, but you will never become a Christian. You can call yourself a Christian, but you're not a Christian. So let's look at a couple of passages of Scripture that I think will help us sharpen the focus so that we can see exactly what I'm trying to say to you. Uh, First, let me go to the words of Jesus. Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 17. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He's been out in the wilderness, tested by the devil. He's come back, and he's beginning his Galilean ministry. And that's where most of his ministry took place. Matthew 4.17 says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, You must repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Jesus does not say, you must consecrate yourself to the kingdom of God. But why doesn't he say that? Because you can't do it. You can't consecrate yourself if you've not repented. What does repent mean? It means to turn aside from your sin. It means to leave your sin. It means to confess in detail, and I would suggest out loud. An honest, open confession. This is how I have rebelled against you, Jesus. This is my sin. This is what I am sorry for. Please, Jesus, forgive me. Oh, wait, what's the word forgive mean? It is in the Greek, aphemi, and it means literally remove. So the first step is coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, will you hear my confession? 
This is how I've rebelled against you. This is how I have harmed your kingdom. I have been in total rebellion against you, and I am sorry, and I am turning from my sin, and I am choosing to leave it by the blood of Jesus. Now, please, will you forgive me? Literally, will you remove from me my sin? And the scriptures tell us he will remove it and cast it into the depths of the sea. Jesus doesn't want your sin. He wants it removed from you. It is, it is stinking manure. He wants your sin removed from you. He wants to wash you and make you clean. Now, In the book of 1 John, 1 John, 2nd chapter, verse 15, you must not love the world, neither the things in the world. If anyone may love the world, the love of the Father is not in him, because every conceivable thing which is in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the conceit of life. It is not out of the Father, but out of the world. It is these things we must utterly and in detail confess and repent of. We cannot consecrate ourselves until we have first repented. There is a judgment day coming. I want to share some passages now. John five twenty eight and 29. The hour is coming in which all that are in the graves shall hear the voice of the Son of Man and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life. They that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. That's John five twenty eight and 29. So the modern false teachers want to say, don't worry about what you're doing. You can't help yourself. You're always going to be a sinner. That's to totally deny the atoning blood of Jesus and its power to remove our sin, to cleanse us and make us into a new creature. A day of judgment is coming for what you have done. Why what you've done? (laughs) Because your soul can't function without a body. And what you have done in the body is a reflection of what your soul has commanded. It is the direction you have received in your body from your heart, from your mind, from your soul. And so you will be judged on what you have done. Look at Second Thessalonians, the first chapter, verses 7 through 9. If the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. 
So a day of judgment is coming. And if you have falsely believed that you can consecrate yourself to Jesus without leaving your sin, you have been deceived and you are not a Christian. A Christian is one who has repented, who recognizes the day of judgment is coming and has fled to Jesus. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Second Peter, the third chapter, verse 10. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Or Jude, the sixth chapter. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains unto darkness, unto the judgment of the great day. And then Revelation, the 20th chapter, verses 11 and 12. And I saw a great white throne, him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book according to their works according to their works now many of you have attempted to consecrate yourself to Jesus you've said Jesus I give myself to you Jesus I want to serve you I want to belong to you and you found it impossible you've not been able to do it have you and so you finally said, well, I'll just do the best I can. That's all I can do. Well, you missed out on the first step of becoming a Christian. You missed out on the repentance part. And you tried to consecrate yourself to Jesus by giving him your sin. It doesn't work. The only way we can deal with sin is to confess it honestly and openly in detail and then repent for that sin. Turn away from it. Now, all of this is by the power of the Spirit of God that's working in us. Yes, this is not human flesh power. 
God comes to help a man or a woman in their work of repentance. But if that work of repentance is not completed, there will be areas of utter rebellion yet remaining in your heart, and it will be impossible for you to give yourself in consecration to God because you're still living in your rebellion. You see, this is not about self-help. This is not about self-improvement. This is about crucifixion. This is about dying to the old man and the old way of life, to the old values. This is you choosing to renounce your life, to confess your sin. Now, revival, as I've shared with you before, Revival is simply a new beginning of obedience. Obedience to Jesus. But that's the problem, isn't it? You can't begin a new life of obedience to Jesus until you have fully confessed your sin before him. And so some of you are caught in this depressed low life, struggling, burdened. Why? Because you're trying with all of your might to consecrate yourself to Jesus, and he doesn't want your consecration, because all you can offer him is your misery. You've refused to repent, because you love your sin. When you love your sin, why are you going to leave it? Let's be specific. You love your pot. You love your fornication. You love living with that person you're not married to. You love your alcohol. And frankly, people make you really mad and so you cuss like a sailor. So you have excuses for everything. So you'll go soak in that pornography to satisfy the sexual desire of your heart. You'll go walk in pride and arrogance. Ah, that person makes me so mad. You walk in your anger, your rage. You cuss them out, and then out of the next moment, you say, oh, I am a Christian. Does salt water and fresh water flow from the same source? Of course not. I'm greatly grieved because I meet people all the time who call themselves Christians. And frankly, there's nothing Christian about them except their profession. They're not consecrated to Christ. They think they are. They claim they are. But they aren't. They can't be because they've never repented. They're still the same old wicked inner heart. They've never had a total change. And so in their flesh, they attempt to do the works of righteousness. But they can't do it. 
they sear their conscience their conscience their conscience speaks to them they know what they ought to do but they don't do it so finally they sear their conscience with a with a hot iron and they grow more comfortable and is this you do you have you grown comfortable in your church wickedness in your self-righteousness come on you know if you've given up everything to jesus you know if the spirit that resides in you is filled with love and kindness and mercy or if it is a raging lion you know if you operate in the wolf nature and dress up in sheep's clothes so everybody thinks oh there's a christian but you're a wolf and you'll bite anybody who gets in your way there has to be a work of repentance before there can be a work of consecration in Matthew I've read this so many times but let me read it in the context in which I'm speaking to you today 16 verses 24 forward then Jesus said to his disciples if anyone will come after me he must deny himself what I thought it would say if anyone would come after me he must consecrate himself no must deny himself must take up his cross and must follow me there is a crucifixion before you can become a Christian remember the story of Pilgrim he's carrying this incredibly heavy burden on his back some of you today are so accustomed to the burden of wickedness you carry on your back you're not even conscious of the wickedness any longer and you make excuses for it it's like you're walking around with a heart deformed by sin but you've convinced yourself you're okay and you're on your way to heaven when in fact you're not on your way to heaven at all because you have done an incomplete work of repentance of confession and your conscience tries to speak to you your conscience tries to rebuke you and you shut it down as one man said to me I enjoy listening to the broadcast, Pastor. But I must confess, I'm a very cynical man. Well, what's he saying? He's saying, I've tried my best, and I haven't been able to pull this off. So I'm taking everything you say with a grain of salt. I'm cynical. I'm not sure this Christian thing works at all well it doesn't can I be straight up with you this Christian thing doesn't work at all for a, a sinner unless he is willing to repent until you repent you can't consecrate yourself to Jesus <laughs> oh 
Whoever may will to save his life will lose it, but whoever may lose his life for my sake will find it. You can't keep your life and follow Jesus. This man, I read the text, he wants to keep his life and he wants Jesus to give him certain benefits. He wants a quid pro quo relationship with God. I'll do this for you, God. You do this for me. You give me the sales in my business, I'll give you some tithe. You give me this, Jesus, I'll give you that. And I say to him, your arms are too short to box with God. He doesn't deal with men in that manner. You don't have a quid pro quo relationship with God. It is total abandonment, losing your life. Well, pastor, how can a man give up his life? How can a man give up his life? Well, a man can't give up his life until he sees that he's going to lose it and go to hell. Until he's so miserable with his wicked heart that he's finally willing to get honest about his true condition before God and he's willing to let God begin to deal with him. It is commanded that every man should repent. God's command also enables us to do what he has commanded us. You can repent of your sin because God has allowed you the privilege of repenting for your sin. But if you choose to maintain your sin life, you're going to watch the television and drink in the wickedness of Hollywood. You're going to continue to walk in rebellion against the Most High God, and you've seared your conscience, so now you believe it's okay to do this. And you expect to be saved? How can you be saved? You have to lose your life to save it. And and I tell you, I deal with this all the time, with with people who do not want to give up their life to follow Jesus by being a part of the church with their bodies. I mean, don't ask me to come early and set up chairs, Pastor. Don't ask me to have people over to the house and cook a meal. Well, Pastor, I'm too busy. I can't I can't have time to fellowship with other Christians. I've got to scoot in quick. I've got to grab the inspiration you're offering, and then I've got to be on my way because I'm a busy man and a busy woman, and I've got things I have to do. You're not a Christian. You're not a Christian. A Christian is one who has given up his life, and now he loves the brothers and the sisters. Well, I'll love you, Pastor, as long as you don't do this and you don't do that. Well, is what I'm doing sin? No, it's just I can't stand that. Well, go your way then. (laughs) 
Oh, my brother, my sister, I hope you hear what I'm talking about today. I'm afraid to open the phone lines for fear some self-righteous person will call and I'll have to blow them out of the water. I'm just not in the mood to be stern with you. You know, I open the phone lines and somebody calls and tries to totally redirect and challenge the word of God that's just been given. I hate self-righteousness. It stinks like a pig pen. These people that think they're just fine, thank you very much, and they walk in their judgment and their arrogance against others, they turn my stomach and make me want to vomit. All right, I'll open the phone lines. If you want to call, you call and talk about how you need to repent. You call and talk about your desire to be consecrated because you've done the work of repentance and you're clean before God. Don't call me with some self-righteous slobbering. Am I being too straight today? I'm sorry. That's just where I'm at today. I've had it with self-righteousness and I've had it with sin. I want men and women to get real with this walk with Jesus. I want you to experience the joy and the freedom of being filled by the Spirit of God and being given to the work of salvation for the lost. If you have the courage to call, go ahead. I'll pray with you. 877-534-0780. Can we get real today? And if you're angry with what I've said, never mind. Go to your prayer closet and repent. 877-534-0780. Jesus said, What does it profit a man if he may gain the whole world and may suffer the loss of his soul? Or what will a man gain in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is dead destined to come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will reward each one according to his activity or you read in Romans the sixth chapter verse six knowing this that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin may be destroyed. The Greek word here is to utterly destroy, that it's gone, that we may hereafter not serve sin, for the one having died has been freed from sin. If you are not free of your sin today, you cannot be consecrated to Jesus If you are not free of your sin today, you cannot be consecrated to Jesus. Because only a believer who has been crucified can bring his life in his hands and offer it fully to Jesus Christ. And that person's life will look utterly different than anything you can probably imagine. So, 
knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, so that the body of sin may be destroyed, that we not hereafter serve sin. For the one having died has been freed from sin. But if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Notice, if we died with Christ, if we repented, if we were crucified, if we died, if we got a new life in Christ, then we shall also live with him. Verse 11, So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but living for God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, the sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it, and you must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin, but once and for all yield yourselves to God as living out from among the spiritually dead men, and yield your members as instruments of righteousness, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. Do you notice... You are not called to yield yourself to God until you have been crucified with Christ. Until you have repented of your sin, you don't have a chance of going to heaven. So when I come calling for revival, for a new beginning of obedience to God, in every revival of the past even in the midst of the church. Always it has been first a call to repent, to wake up to our true condition before God and recognize we're not going to make it unless we repent and turn away from our sin. That's the bottom line. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of grace from God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is after the whole of chapter 6, where grace is now not spoken of as a covering blanket, but as rather the very influence and means of God to bring you to repentance. Do you need to repent today? Are there sins you're walking in today that you're very conscious of? I have all of these papers on my desk. I'm trying to sort through them. I had had some material I wanted to share. Oh, I'm not finding it. Let's just put it this way. Sin is not abstract. Sin is very specific. Lying, cheating, stealing. It's specific. Watching pornography living with someone you're not married to, drinking, gambling, 
doping. It's all sin. Cursing. Taking the name of the Lord in vain. It's all sin. Being filled with pride and arrogance. Being filled with ambition for the things of the world. Loving money. You can't serve God in money too. Now, it's not a sin to be wealthy if that money came from Jesus and service. But it is a sin if you have made God out of your money, your lifestyle, your pleasure. The wages of sin is death. You're going to die, mister. If you walk in that lust, you're going to die. You're going to face the judgment of God, and you will you will receive the wages of your sin. And then you want to pretend that you've consecrated yourself to Jesus. What foolishness. Impossible. Make believe. And believe me, the church today is filled with men and women who are spray-painted on the outside with Jesus, but inside they're just pure pagans. You know, I, I go to the health club, L.A. Fitness, and I work out there. I did this morning. Why do I go to L.A. Fitness? Well, I go there because it's a place where I can build up my strength and maintain my health so I can serve Jesus. So how do you choose the health club you want? Well, you you choose it based on whether it has the sauna you want, whether it has the equipment you need. So it's all about going to the health club and consuming what they're offering. And for that, you pay a price. Now, it happens that I'm very blessed. Many years ago, I was given the gift of a membership, so I pay $5 a year for my membership. I've had it for 30 years. I think I've gotten my money's worth. But now... I have my favorite restaurant. A restaurant that I very much like in Occoquan is the Secret Garden. Beautiful little restaurant. Why do I go there? Well, it has good food. The ambience is beautiful. The, The people are very kind. Thoughtful waiters. I have some place I go to get my hair cut. Why do I go there? Because she cuts my hair very well. And she's kind. She doesn't hassle me. So I go where I get the services I need in order to be able to do the work that God has called me to do. Now here's the problem. How do you choose a church? You certainly do not choose a church based on your consumption desires. 
You don't choose a church because they have the best music program. You don't choose a church because they have the best children's program. You don't choose a church because you like the pastor. When you are crucified with Christ, you go where the Holy Spirit directs you. And you stay there and serve the Lord until he directs you to go to another place. Unless that church teaches false doctrine and ungodliness, and then you flee. If that church is worldly, you flee. Why? I don't go to church as a consumer. I go to church as a servant of the Most High God to be directed, to be a part of the body, to be a contributor, not a consumer. I go to the church Jesus has led me to that I can be filled with the Spirit of God and have a base of operation for the ministry of saving the lost and the dying. And if that church has no interest in saving the lost and the dying, I'm going to run from it. I'm going to flee. If it's an entertainment center, I'm going to flee. If the pastor stands up and begins to talk about the football and the baseball and he begins to show clips on the screen of movies and he begins to entertain and tell jokes, I'm going to run because it's a consumer church. I'm not interested in a consumer church. I'm interested in the body of Christ. Why am I saying this? Well, because you're going to have to decide Have you repented for your sin? Are you a new creature in Christ? Is the old gone and the new has come? Are you joined together with the body of Christ where you're making a difference in the lives of the lost and the dying? Are you at a place where you are being productive as you are in the vine or are you going to be cut off have you repented of your sin so that you can consecrate your life to Jesus and your conscience can be enlivened and brought forward to help you in this walk with Jesus Now we're out of time today. I'm grateful that you have listened, that you've put up with me. And I pray that you will go back and do the first work. Stop trying to consecrate yourself to Jesus and get on your face and get serious about repentance. And when the work of repentance is done, that will be the time to consecrate yourself wholly unto the Lord. Now we're starting a new month and I'm inviting you to give that we would not come to the end of the month and owe $1,500 as we did last month. I praise God, it's all covered. Yesterday, 
the Lord put his thumb in the devil's eye with your help. Would you write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195? That's the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you are being called by the Spirit of God to a deeper life in Christ, if you know your work of repentance has not been complete and you need help, or you're ready to consecrate yourself utterly and fully to God, then come this Sunday. We meet at 12 noon, and we begin by prayer. We meet at the All Saints Church. It's located at 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. Many of you have thought, yep, I'm going to go visit someday. Well, why not this Sunday? Come and and be serious about Jesus. Would you also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. You'll find a donate button there, and you'll find also many blogs and podcasts, many things to help you in this journey with Jesus. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'm Ray Greenley. I pastor the National Prayer Chapel in Woodbridge, Virginia. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.